On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla crushes expectations for both the fourth quarter of 2021 and the entire year, announcing some truly impressive year-over-year growth. Plus, Tesla is number one in not one, but two European countries for all of 2021. The Model S Plaid gets a software update to increase its top speed and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I am back alongside my four-legged canine co-host, Daisy the Boxer. This is Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for January 9th, 2022. It's good to be home back here in San Francisco. I'm very grateful to have made it through my travels without Omicron getting me or my family as well. I hope all of you are out there staying healthy, too while hopefully still enjoying some time with your loved ones over the now-completed holiday season. Hey, before I get started, I just wanted to send out a quick thank you to listener and Patreon backer Ed Sullivan for helping me out with a little post-processing magic that made last week's show, which, as you may remember, I recorded in Arizona, different microphone, forgot my pop filter. He uh, helped me make it sound a little bit better for all of you. So, Ed, I appreciate it. Thank you very, very much for that. All right, let's get started. As usual, there is plenty to talk about in the world of Tesla, and we start with some excellent news. Tesla absolutely stomping Wall Street's expectations and its own records for both a quarter and for an entire year, announcing their production and delivery numbers for Q4 and thus all of 2021. So 2021, just huge for Tesla, both relative to its own history and Q4 in particular, once again, setting a new record for quarterly production and deliveries for this company whose cars we all love and gather here in friendship every week to discuss. Tesla posted the news with a very short and sweet message on its investor relations webpage saying simply this, in the fourth quarter, we achieved production of more than 305,000 vehicles and deliveries of over 308,000 vehicles. In 2021, we delivered over 936,000 vehicles. Thank you to all of our customers, employees, suppliers, shareholders, and supporters who helped us achieve a great year, end quote. All right, so you've got those numbers simmering in your brain right now. Let's break this down a bit and talk through what this means. First, I want to note that Tesla did this with half, half of their four-vehicle lineup sitting out for practically the entire year. Remember that. You know, the, the, the new S and the new X were both completely off the market from January 1st until June, when the first Plaid and the first couple of new long-range Model S's first started to trickle out. But it was a trickle. And then the X, meanwhile, the new redesigned X, didn't re-arrive on the market 
until much later in the year. What was it? I think November for the first long range deliveries and literally like December 29th for the first plaid model X delivery. Now for the entire year of 2021, it was about 911,000 model threes and model Ys and a total of 25,000 deliveries of S and X combined. Put another way on that, the three and the Y accounted for, excuse me, the S and the X accounted for 2.66% of vehicle deliveries for the entire year. And so the the two points I want to make there, one, just a little call back to last week, let's go ahead and give me my point from the prediction show last week when I was tallying up the the previous year. I had predicted 800,000 three and wide deliveries for 2021. Turns out Tesla absolutely blew that away. And second, kind of circling back to a more relevant point for everyone, uh, and that is, again, with only the uh, the last couple of months of the year really being material for, for S and X deliveries, really just S, because X really didn't get a chance to get started at all delivery-wise, that just shows you there is more room to grow there. 936,000 total vehicle deliveries, and that's with very few S's and X's. There will be more S and X in 2022. Second point I wanted to make about these production and delivery numbers, kind of along the same lines, is that not only did Tesla achieve this with the S and the X on the sidelines for most of the year, they also did it without any new vehicle launches in 2021 or any new factories coming online last year as well. So this is all apples to apples comparison from 2020 to 2021. Now, obviously in 2022, the growth engine is gonna accelerate. We have the two new factories coming online rather imminently, which is great news. So it's huge growth that Tesla had from 2020, remember when they did 499,550 cars, to 2021 where they almost doubled that. So it, it, it was the same four cars, It was the same two factories, pretty apples to apples. So some really, really impressive deliveries from Tesla there. Uh, Third, look at Q4 specifically. So 308,000 cars delivered. Let's compare that to Q4 of 2020, which was then a record quarter as well. 180,000 570. So not quite doubling deliveries year over year, but that does represent a rather substantial jump of 70% increase year over year. Both Fremont and Shanghai were doing some seriously efficient work. Now, to be fair, I know I just got done talking about apples to apples. Maybe not quite. We have to, to just put this very important asterisk on 2020. Both factories were shut down entirely for a time in 2020 at the start of the pandemic. Shanghai, not too long. Fremont ended up being six weeks of a shutdown. Whereas the only shutdowns that we knew about in 2021 for Tesla were a literal a day here or there due to component shortages. But still, 
the growth is just incredibly impressive. Fourth point I want to get to on this, as others have pointed out, I'm, I'm hardly uh, the first to note this, but clearing 300,000 in Q4 out of just Fremont and Shanghai, use that in quotation marks, because that's not to discount the extremely hard work of the people that work in those two factories. But 300,000 deliveries in Q4 from two factories means that Tesla ran at a 1.2 million vehicle annual run rate. If we just, if we extrapolate Q4 out over four quarters, that's 1.2 million cars in a year. The question then being, can Tesla sustain that moving forward? Recent history suggests they can and they will, because as I've said, they've been setting quarterly production and delivery records pretty much every quarter for a while now, and that's regardless of seasonality. And by seasonality, I'm referring to how Q1 traditionally is the slowest of the four quarters, Q4 traditionally the biggest of the four quarters. Now, Elon has already, I think, wisely tempered our expectations by reminding us that Texas and Berlin, when they do open, hopefully very, very soon, they are going to need time to fully ramp up. He said it will take a full year for them to both fully ramp up to their maximum production capability. But each of them will, of course, be producing Model Y and Model Y exclusively relatively slowly at first. I mean, honestly, I don't think a Shanghai kind of just turbo ramp that we saw them pull off in that factory, I don't think that's necessarily realistic to expect to get matched out of either Texas or Berlin. But I will say optimistically, as as I am a Tesla fan, I do think it's highly possible that Elon might be sandbagging things a little bit there compared to what the reality ends up being, but that's okay because it's better to under-promise and over-deliver than the opposite should that uh, uh, end up being the case. The point I'm trying to drive at is, is this. So long as Texas and Berlin are able to get going fairly soon and start producing cars for customer delivery, start doing actual customer deliveries, We can, I think, hopefully get a quarter million Model Ys out of each of them by the end of the year. Like a total for the entire year, 250K out of Texas, 250K out of Berlin. And we do have the Cybertruck coming up out of Texas towards the end of the year. Although I would not expect a a, a materially large number of deliveries to come out of of, uh, Texas or any, you know, period for the Cybertruck for 2022. I think that that number is likely to probably be in the uh, four figure range. I, I would doubt that. I mean, that's because we've been told late 2022. So we, we look at November, maybe even December. So I think a number in the thousands, but not the tens of thousands is probably a reasonable expectation for the Cybertruck. Uh, also, in addition to the Cybertruck, though, we don't know how much higher the production ceiling might be at Fremont and Shanghai. I mean, we just I just got done talking about how they went from uh, 550,000 deliveries with, out of those two factories combined in 2020 
to nearly double that at 936,000 plus deliveries in 2021. If I were to place my Las Vegas bet on Tesla's year-end delivery total for this year, for 2022, here's where I would put my money down. 1.75 million. That I think is an optimistic number, but not a crazily optimistic number. I think it's it's uh, it's doable. You know, it's it's a, a maybe I don't know if a reach is the right word, but I think it's optimistic but doable is how I'll say that. And if Tesla does get to 1.75 million total cars delivered in 2022, it would again almost double what they just did in 2021, which again was almost double what 2020 was. So I want to close this by saying bravo and a sincere congratulations to the entire Tesla team who worked so hard all year long to continue sending this company soaring to new heights yet again in another year, uh, another hugely successful year. Bravo to all of you who may be listening to this that work at the company. Next up this week, more good news. The Model 3 was the number one selling vehicle, period, in all of Switzerland for all of 2021. Thank you to Tesla Motors Reddit user Habash91 for posting this story. This is where I saw it. The Model 3 sold 5,072 units in Switzerland for 2021, edging out the Skoda Octavia, which sold 4,969. The Audi Q3, VW Taiwan, and if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I'm not sure I am. And the Fiat 500 rounded out the top five in Switzerland. So yes, obviously from those numbers, you can tell that Switzerland lacks the population, say, of the United States, but it's still, this is important. This is an electric vehicle. Again, pull back. 10,000 foot view, an entire country uh, in Europe, which is, you know, it is uh, very much a, a major player in in the, the modern economy, the modern world. This is an electric vehicle. And, and also, by the way, not a cheap one, the Model 3. I mean, it's, it is more expensive than uh, maybe not the, the, you know, it's probably in the Q3's ballpark, but and I'm not sure about the Skoda, but certainly more than the, the Volkswagen and more than the Fiat 500 for sure. So this is a not cheap electric vehicle that was the number one selling car in an entire country for an entire year. That is pretty cool. Now, speaking of Tesla's success in European countries, in Norway, Tesla was the number one selling car brand there for all of 2021. Uh, I again saw this on the Tesla Reddit, but the source of the story ultimately is the Norwegian website nrk.no, who writes, and by the way, uh, what I'm about to read you is a Google translation, so if it's not perfect, it's not the website's fault, it's Google's. That translation reads, among the 10 most bought car models in Norway last year, the electric car Tesla Model 3 is by far the most bought model with just over 12,000 cars sold last year. That is far more than the next car on the list, Toyota's hybrid model RAV4 with just under 9,000 units sold. NRK continues saying, in total, 
Eight of the 10 most purchased car models in 2021 were all electric cars. Tesla also accounted for just over 20,000 of the newly purchased cars in 2021 and is one of Norway's most purchased car brands for the year. Uh, That 20,000, by the way, if you're curious, 20,000 new cars sold in uh, 20,000 new Teslas sold in Norway in 2021, that is out of a total new cars sold pool in the country of 176,000 or 11%. Or put another way, one in every 10 new cars sold in Norway last year was a Tesla. Was a Tesla. That is really cool. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and one more bigger picture note from this story, as I once again go back to NRK, who writes, among the record number of newly purchased cars are 113,715 electric cars. This is almost a doubling in the number of purchased electrics compared to two years ago. This means that electric cars accounted for 64.5%, or basically two out of every three, of all newly purchased cars in Norway last year. Now, there are a lot of reasons for this, to be fair. Things are, the, the setup is very different than here in the United States. There are economic incentives aplenty on EVs in Norway and huge taxes on internal combustion engine vehicles. So you've got both of those forces at work. But still, it goes to show you that, well, policies can change purchasing decisions and put more EVs on the road and take more gas cars off of it if that's what a government decides to do. So bravo to Norway and congratulations again to Tesla on being number one in a country that is showing the rest of us the way forward on cleaning up our roads and quieting them in the the meantime, uh, at the same time as well. Next this week, a quick follow-up to something that I talked briefly about last week and teased in the opener today, and that is track mode for the Model S Plaid. That update is now in customers' hands. Plaid owners should, if you haven't already received it, should watch out for version number 2021.44.30, and that track mode allows for, according to the release notes, the heat pump system to cool more aggressively. You can enable post-drive cooling to shorten your time between sessions at the track or the drag strip. It also enhances torque vectoring. And furthermore, it automatically optimizes the adaptive damping settings for the air suspension, defaulting you down to low, as you'd probably guess. And among other things, you also, in the Model S Plaid track mode, get a lap meter, a G-force meter, dash cam video capture so you can play back your laps later, and more stuff. And here's the big thing. This update also quietly increases the Model S Plaid's top speed from 162 miles an hour to 175 miles per hour. So, We're not quite at 200 miles per hour yet, but we're getting there. Now, what I'm not clear right now, and I read Tesla's official blog post on this 
I looked at the release notes that are on the screen. I was reading a, a very uh, positive, very enthusiastic and glowing f- uh, forum thread on the Tesla Motors Club forums from Plaid owners who are saying that this software, this track mode, uh, there were owners in there equating it to like $25,000 worth of suspension tune, you know, different suspension pieces to, to take it to the track that the car really feels substantially different in track mode in a good way. Like you can really dial in, uh, dial in the car into becoming more of a track monster than just a straight line bull in a China shop, which is, which is, you know, more so how the car is in its factory default setting. But what I could not find definitively, and perhaps a plaid owner out there can, can help me with this, is whether or not you need to be in track mode to unlock that increased top speed. I would presume the answer to that is yes, which would make sense because if you're going to go over 162 miles per hour, you'd better be on a private dedicated course and not attempting that on public roads. So uh, I, I would assume, I would figure that, uh, that, that that top speed increase is, is linked to track mode and, and I would not be uh, upset if that were the case. But l- the point here, like the Model 3 performance's track mode, the Plaid's track mode, as a friendly reminder, is only meant for use on tracks be they the drag strip or a proper race course, not on the public streets. But it really does seem to be a great suite of software that really lets you uh, throw the car around the track in a, in a materially different way than you can without that track mode software. So love seeing that. That is uh, good stuff for all of you Plaid owners, both present and future. Now, uh, the final Big story. I've got two more things for you. Uh, the last thing is a bit of a minor thing, and I'm saving it as a as maybe a good thing, because the next story is not such great news, particularly if you have not ordered your Tesla yet, because I know I have plenty of listeners out there who are planning for their Tesla. They're saving for it. Uh, well, let's just get this out of the way. Elon Musk has announced another imminent price hike for the full self-driving capability software package, which as you all know, for the last couple of years now, is all encompassing. You get a basic autopilot included with the car, which is basically, it is just auto steer with traffic adaptive cruise control. It does not automatically do lane changes. It does not do summon. It does not do uh, taking your off ramp for you. It certainly does not do you know, traffic lights or stop signs. It's just the cruise control on steroids, which is nice. Don't get me wrong. It's very, very useful. Everything else, every other feature is now part of that. What is today a $10,000 full self-driving capability package. Well, Elon tweeted this on Friday afternoon, quote, Tesla FSD price rising to $12,000 on January 17th. He later added it's just in the US and then also added FSD price will rise as we get closer to FSD production code release. Now look, Tesla isn't running a charity. We know that. 
And if they think that they can get it, then, well, more power to them for raising it to $12,000. But speaking quite honestly, as a big Tesla fan, a Tesla owner, somebody who has invested a total of $8,000 into full self-driving, for me, when I got my car, if you're newer to Tesla, Tesla used to break up the full self-driving, the autopilot packages differently. When I bought my car in 2018, you got nothing with the car, and then you had to buy, the first option was a $5,000 enhanced autopilot package, which had basically everything except the actual FSD features, which to date currently is only the stoplight and stop sign recognition. Of course, the FSD beta that can do left turns, right turns, you know, city street driving, that's a beta, that's a separate thing. Uh, so anyway, so I paid $8,000 total because it was five for enhanced autopilot, which was, I felt like I got immediate phenomenal value out of with, you know, being able to change lanes while on autopilot, having it take off ramps for me, having it take interchange, you know, uh, interstate changes, all that stuff. So just to give you a background, if you're newer to Tesla anyway, uh, so as I said, if Tesla thinks they can get it, more power to them. But I I don't personally see the value at that price today. Today. A friend of mine, I'll tell you a quick story. I may have mentioned this on the show before, so I'll keep it quick. But a friend of mine last summer, because yeah, it was before the monthly option had come into play. A friend of mine bought a Model Y. And he's a technology uh educated, you know, tech educated guy. He is interested in the company, interested in the car, excited to get his car. But he reached out to me and said, you know, I know you do the podcast. It, you follow this stuff closely. Do you think I should pay the $10,000 for the FSD? And I told him, I had to be honest. I said, no, I don't think I would pay 10 for it. And I told him that, well, the monthly option was supposed to be coming and it did indeed arrive. And uh, so obviously, at $12,000, my answer is unchanged there. Now, yes, Elon believes that level four is coming. Talked about that last week in his interview with Lex Friedman. And yes, I will also very honestly and sincerely say that I have personally watched the FSD beta get noticeably better over the past few months that I've had it, however long it's been now. But what I would say is, it's always wisest to pay for what you get today rather than what is promised. And if you don't believe me, you can ask any Model S or X owner who paid for FSD back in 2016. A number of those folks have already moved on from those cars without really seeing anything for the money that they spent for FSD. Now, thinking through this, I think the only way this really makes sense is if Tesla, like TiVo and Sirius XM before them, if they want to subtly, quietly, not explicitly say, but if they want to phase out the pay once lifetime subscriptions that people like me have and instead get all of their new customers onto the monthly subscription model that they can keep them on forever for as long as they own 
any Tesla. And for now, if you're curious, by the way, as you no doubt are, the $200 monthly price will be staying the same. That will not be going up as this as the the buy it outright price will be. So it's still going to be $199 per month. Elon posted a follow-up tweet answering that saying, monthly subscription price will rise when FSD goes to wide release. So we certainly, we don't know when that will be. Is that going to be this year? As Elon talked about thinking that they can get to level four on by the end of the year. He talked about that on Lex Friedman's podcast last week. You know, maybe, but uh, it could be, so it could be one year, could be two years, three years, five years. I don't know. And that's the point. There's just the uncertainty there. But Elon's saying, at least he's warning us up front, that the monthly subscription price will rise once FSD does actually get released wide to anyone that has paid for the package. So thus, if you want to break this down, the break-even point on subscription versus buying it outright has now changed. It was four years and two months to now 60 months, or rather, put another simple way, exactly five years, So, it, which is a difference of 10 months. So if you're planning to keep your Tesla for five years or less, as I know a lot of people do, a lot of people cycle out their cars at least every five years, if not more often than that. If you are one of those people, the subscription will make more sense to you when you order your car. If you are uh, like me, and my, at least the way I, I've always operated, my wife, in fact, my, my parents are this way too. I guess it, I guess I must just kind of inherently think this as a, as a family thing, the way I was raised. But if you're a person that does keep your cars for a really long time, then the lump sum does make more sense. Although, you know, just as a side note, if you're, if you don't order it with the car and it's going to be a thing that you get later, uh, I don't know about you. I, I guess everybody's different, but I can't think of a single time I've ever put a single $12,000 purchase on my credit card. I don't even know if my credit limit is, the, if, if I have that much, if I could even spend $12,000 in a single go on my credit card. Uh, boy, I wouldn't want to miss, <laughs> don't miss the payment or make sure you've got, like maybe you open a, a no interest for a year card just to do that with. But um, I mean, on the other hand, imagine the reward points from making a $12,000 purchase on your credit card. Anyway, I'm getting I'm getting off track. Uh, getting back to more serious Tesla business here. Uh, how do I want to close this? Ah, yes. Yeah, so while the other point I wanted to make, 200 bucks a month for the monthly subscription, that might seem more palatable than $12,000 all at once, which certainly it is in a literal sense. But the thing I would add here is that Really, for many of us, for many Tesla buyers, a $200 monthly FSD subscription on top of our car payment, that is a tough pill to swallow. That suddenly becomes a lot. So I just, the thing that I am not thrilled about with this price increase, I mean, nobody likes price increases, right? No, but it's the biggest Tesla fan 
is probably not applauding this saying, yeah, charge more. We, I want to pay more. Nobody wants to pay more. But the thing I think that's, that I'm, and I believe, I, I guess I'm probably repeating myself. This is probably the same spiel that I gave when the price went up to 10,000. But so I, I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but the thing that I, that, that I really am left with on this is just that is a disappointment, a bit of a sadness that a lot of Tesla customers are going to be priced out by this, whether it's again, the $200 monthly on top of your car payment being a, a, a you know, a bridge too far for a lot of folks or the $12,000 option. Cause again, you know, if you're buying if you're buying a Model 3, a base Model 3, don't call it the standard range plus anymore, the base Model 3, which is now $45,000, great car, 272-mile range, LFP battery, charge it to 100% every day, doesn't degrade, got all the same software features, uh, just a little bit of a wimpier audio system, that's pretty much it. So, you know, great car, 45 grand. I've said that. I, I really do. I believe that the base Model 3 is an excellent value. Uh, and at least it does come with that basic autopilot functionality. But if you want FSD and you want to get it with the car as a lump sum, it's that single option adds 25% onto the cost of the car. So I just, again, my my disappointment, my sadness is for the people, the, the excited Tesla customers that are going to be priced out of FSD. I just, that's, it, it's a shame because, you know, so many of us were enthusiastic about this, where we love the technology, we want to be a part of it and, and we want to, you know, experience it, but it's a lot of money, whether you're talking monthly or now, uh, whether you're talking as a lump sum. So, um, that's it. January 17th, enough said, $12,000 for the full self-driving price. That increase will be happening uh, just a few days after this show. I guess what, this show's going up on the 9th. So it's uh, you've got about a week. A week if you're on the fence, if you're thinking about getting your order in soon, you've got uh, a little bit of a grace period to try and save yourself $2,000 if you plan to, to make that FSD purchase. All right, finally this week, let's end on a little bit of a happier note. It is kind of a, it's not a rumor. Rumor is not the right word here, but let's just say it's a little tidbit that was discovered. This, uh, I want to say, give credit here to Michael Bond, a listener who sent this to me, and then I did see it pop up on the, the Tesla blogs later. This is just a very interesting thing. And that thing is this. Are the Model 3 and Model Y going to be getting cooled seats very soon as the new Model S and Model X have? Because the reason this is even a thing is that there is some very straight from the horse's mouth evidence of exactly that. And that straight from the horse's mouth comes in the form of a new update to the Model 3 and Model Y owner's manual online on the Tesla site which now says, in explaining the HVAC functionality of the car, touch the driver's side seat icon to adjust seat heaters for the driver. 
The seat operates at three levels from three highest to one lowest. The seat icon displays twisting lines, that, those are your bacons, that turn red, heating, or blue, cooling, to correspond with the set level. Auto, which displays when the climate control system is set to auto, warms or cools the front seats based on cabin, cabin temperature. And that is an excerpt straight from the revised Model 3 and Model Y owner's manuals. So it is possible before your hopes get up, let's just note that perhaps this was simply copy pasted over by the somebody at Tesla, maybe copy pasted over from the S and X manual without being properly proofread or revised for the three uh, and Y that actually don't have cooled seats or maybe it is coming. That's, I mean, that's the exciting part. And that is, you know, that's a definite possibility here. I mean, I would presume that cooled seats would probably require perforation in the seat as the S and the X seats are perforated. So if this is real, it should be obvious at a single glance uh, to at any Model 3 or Model Y that were to come off the production line, uh, whether it's you know next week or next month or next quarter, whenever this potential addition to the car may be coming. Uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on it. I mean, that's really, it's keep an eye on this one because I'll tell you, this would really be a nice bonus for those of you getting threes and whys over the course of this year. That would be a, that would be a substantial feature upgrade to have cooled seats in addition to the heated seats that we all have as well. All right, that is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news. But as I promised last week, I'm gonna get back to the Ride the Lightning hotline. I've got so many excellent topics a lot of great calls from you guys in the Ride the Lightning hotline, so we'll get right into that right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be featured here on Ride the Lightning. I welcome you. I encourage you to call in. There are two easy ways to do it. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90 second or less call and just call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll free number that you can dial up anytime. And the number is 1-888-989-8752. One more time, it's 1-888-989-TSLA. And hey, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Our first of many excellent calls this week comes from Jen in Sacramento. Hi there, Ryan. This is Jen. I'm calling from Sacramento, California. Um, I had a quick question for you. 
Um, I was reading through some forums online, and it looks like some of the quote-unquote legacy Model X and Model S vehicles are no longer getting the updates, such as um, the blind spot warning and the sentry mode camera viewing feature. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I think it's totally outrageous. Uh, I even tweeted Elon about it. So uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts um, and hope you have a happy holidays. Jen, thanks for your call. And I very much understand and empathize with your frustration. It's true. Even up to the 2020 SNX, 2020, they don't get some of these new features, which is just awful. I mean, that's just a bummer. I mean, I realize that the line has to be drawn somewhere on these updates. And as I talked about last week, it's amazing that we get updates and new features for free at all. But it seems like in this case, Tesla just said, well, vertical screen bad, and then decided not to bring some of this stuff to the quote unquote legacy S's and X's. For instance, on the blind spot camera with the turn signal, as I mentioned, uh, what, last week, I guess, why can't that just be displayed on the left or right side of the instrument cluster, the second screen behind the steering wheel, depending on whether the left or right turn signal is activated? I fully support your Elon tweet, Jen. If you can catch his attention, or if someone can, or if enough people can, then perhaps it will make him go and ask the software team, who, by the way, again, worked incredibly hard and did an awesome job delivering this in time for Christmas to just go and take another look at at least some of these features that aren't being pushed to those legacy S's and X's. Jen, I am happy to air your call and add my voice to the cause for whatever that my voice may or may not be worth. But happy new year to you. Thank you so much for calling in. And uh, we'll stay out in California and talk to Dave from San Francisco. Hey, Ryan. This is Dave from San Francisco. I have a question about the extended warranty for those of us that have cars approaching the end of the warranty. I was wondering whether or not you purchased the extended warranty because I know you're either getting closer or already there. So anyway, that's my question. I'm seriously considering it. So, yep, that's it. Thanks, Ryan. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Dave. Well, to the best of my knowledge, Tesla never did and still hasn't offered an extended warranty on the Model 3 or, for that matter, the Model Y. I looked it up to check this against my memory of it, and sure enough, on the Tesla.com website, on the vehicle warranty page, it spells it out pretty clearly under optional extended service plans. It says, if you've purchased a new Model S or Model X, extended service plans are available for an additional cost. The extended service agreement takes effect on the date that your original new vehicle limited warranty expires. So uh, if I'm reading that correctly, it would seem that there isn't even one available for the three and the Y because only the S and X are specifically mentioned. Now, if I happen to be wrong about that and someone has concrete info to correct me, please do email me. The address again is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Pass that info along because not only do I want to make sure to get it right 
for those of you who are listening, for Dave, for anyone else. But I'll tell you, I would seriously consider purchasing the extended warranty myself on the Model 3 because you are correct, Dave. I am getting close to the end of my new vehicle warranty. I've got just under seven months to go, and then my car will no longer be under warranty. And and as I talked about earlier in the, the FSD segment, uh, I plan to keep mine for quite some time. So for me, I think I would like to have that peace of mind. Now, I did buy the extended warranty on my last car, my uh, Infiniti G35, and of course, the, the problems and the, the more pricey maintenance on that car really started, of course, after the extended warranty was up. Uh, I'm, I, I think my Tesla will hopefully, I'm going to knock on some wood here, hopefully is going to be a, a little better because, of course, there are just fewer moving parts, fewer things to deal with. But in any case, long story short, there does not appear to be an extended warranty available for the 3 or the Y, but if there is... I'd sure like to know about it. Thanks for calling in. Let me go next to Marcy from Buffalo. Welcome, Marcy. Hi, Ryan. This is Marcy from Buffalo, New York. I've had my Model 3 long range for exactly one year. It arrived in my driveway at 10 p.m. on New Year's Eve last year, and I was one of the lucky people who, if they took possession within the last quarter of the year, got a year's worth of supercharging miles and three months of full self-driving, which I loved. So if my car had arrived a couple of hours later after midnight, I wouldn't have qualified for those perks. Anyways, I'm calling about brake lights. My boyfriend and I took a 10-hour road trip to Nashville this past summer. Everything went very smoothly with the trip, but we did run into about an hour's worth of very slow traffic due to a traffic accident somewhere up ahead. I thought that would be a convenient time to use autopilot and let the car do its thing so I wouldn't have to constantly be manually stopping and starting and slowing down and speeding up. At one point during the slow traffic, when I was in the left-hand lane, I noticed a car coming up quickly on the shoulder to my left. Initially, I thought it was just someone trying to cut ahead of everyone, but then I realized he was trying to get my attention and yelling to me that my brake lights weren't working. I thanked him, but then realized that there was probably no problem with my brake lights, and that it was just the car automatically slowing to the speed of the traffic without triggering the brake lights. I realized that could have been a pretty dangerous situation as no one behind me would have been able to see that I was slowing down since there were no lights to warn them. This got me thinking, so exactly when do the brake lights come on while using autopilot and regenerative braking? Maybe stop and go traffic isn't the best situation in which to use autopilot for this reason. So any information you could give me about brake lights in this type of situation would be very helpful. Thank you for the informative and fun podcast and looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Marcy, I appreciate your call. This is an important topic. It's a safety topic. To the best of my knowledge, the brake lights come on if the car is actively slowing down, which is more often than you might be picturing when I say that. The brake lights aren't always on when your foot's not on the accelerator. In other words, If you're slowly rolling to a stop, like say if you've already slowed down when approaching a red light and you're just kind of coasting it to, you know, down like under 10 miles an hour, they're not on because you're no longer actively slowing down. And on autopilot, you're right, by the way, that stop and go traffic in certainly in my experience is absolutely one of the best use cases for autopilot. 
it should activate the brake lights by the same quote unquote rules, if you will. Anecdotally speaking, because I've, I've looked at this, I've studied this in my own car, uh, back in the pre COVID days, when I commuted to an office every day in stop and go San Francisco traffic on the freeway, I would watch the car visualization on the screen and it shows when the brake lights come on, on the, your car on the screen. It always seemed to do so at the appropriate times. And Tesla's have been around long enough now that they must be activating at appropriate times. Otherwise we'd have heard about Tesla's getting rear-ended a whole lot. Thankfully that hasn't happened. In addition, side note, thankfully it hasn't happened because you know, the Fudsters would just take something like that and, and run, run with it forever. So, uh, with respect to the driver who flagged you down on your trip, I suspect that your car is working just fine and I think you'll be okay. The next time you are both, uh, out in the car, have your boyfriend watch the in-car visualization while you're driving and he'll be able to monitor it. Then you will both get a better idea of exactly when the brake lights come on and when they don't. So I hope that little explanation helps. And thank you very much for calling in. Next is Bill from Connecticut with an autopilot speed setting suggestion. Hey, Ryan, Bill from Connecticut. I was calling to talk about a feature that I'd like to see come to the Tesla fleet in the future around the autopilot set speed and offset. Whereas you can go into that autopilot menu and set a speed limit and an offset, either a fixed offset or a percentage in either miles per hour, kilometers per hour, or if it's a percentage, the percentage above or below the posted speed limit on the road that you're traveling. And what I'd like to see is maybe some granularity between city, rural, and highway driving. Because for me, that offset, I currently offset it fixed plus eight miles per hour or so. And what I notice is that that just doesn't do well between city and highway. And again, not every road or situation is going to lend itself to this, but I'd like to see some granularity where you could set maybe a different offset, either fixed or percentage for your city driving versus your local rural or highway driving. So just want to see what your thoughts were on that. I uh, thought it'd be a cool feature. And if anyone from Tesla is listening, um, maybe they can take that back and, and see if we can make that happen. Appreciate all you do, Ryan. Thanks for the podcast. Happy New Year and be well. Thanks. Bill, thank you very much for your call. I agree with you 100% on this. I set up my car the exact same way you do. Fixed offset of plus eight miles per hour. And your suggestion only becomes more urgent when you're using the FSD beta. I'm not sure if you have uh, had a chance to use it yet, but for me, the plus eight is too much on a 25 mile an hour city or neighborhood street. I don't want to be going 33 miles per hour on those. But plus five miles per hour, which is what I lowered it to for a little while after I got the beta, I find that that's not enough on highways. So yeah, I am with you on this. It would be great to have separate settings for different types of roads, which I imagine Tesla could implement via GPS. But maybe another way to do it, perhaps an 
easier way, so to speak, I say, because again, I'm not a programmer, I'm not a coder, I'm not a software engineer, but maybe what about this? Separate it by different speed ranges. For instance, I would want to have a zero mile per hour offset if the speed limit is 25 miles per hour or less. I would want to have a plus five mile per hour offset if I'm in the 25 to 45 mile per hour speed limit range and a plus eight mile per hour offset for anything, any speed limit of 50 miles per hour or higher. So that's what I'd like to see. Maybe that would work for you as well. I love your idea. I hope the Tesla team hears this and maybe considers it. Next call is Mike from Los Angeles. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Ryan. My name is Mike Pepe. I'm from uh, Los Angeles, California. <clears throat> and uh, I've been listening to your show for about six months now. Uh, become a huge fan. Also a big fan of your work over at IGN. Thank you for everything that you do. Uh, the show is awesome. And um, I, pre- uh, uh, I placed an order for my Model 3 in September, first week of September. And I'm finally slated to take delivery uh, th- later in January. Uh, possibly the first week of February, but it looks like it'll probably be in about two weeks. I'm very excited. I've been wanting to order this car for about five years, probably a bit more. Slowly saved, and uh, yeah, it's time to finally do it. Very excited. My question is this. Um, I live in LA. I know that you live in San Francisco, and um, I live in a townhouse in Los Angeles, a condo, and I have underground parking, which I'm not able to, very unfortunately... Um, have a charger down there. Uh, I've asked my landlord and we've worked on it, but it's just unfortunately not possible. Um, luckily, my work does have some charging capabilities, currently only drip charging uh, through a 120, but uh, I am going to be upgrading that to 240. Having said that, I can't really use that all the time. Luckily, uh, uh, I live very close to my business, uh, only about uh, seven miles. So my commute isn't far, but my question to you is this. Um, I listen to your show a lot, and I haven't heard you talk too much about public charging solutions, uh, obviously level two solutions, for Tesla owners, specifically in metropolitan areas where a lot of us live in condos, apartments, townhouses, things of that nature. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard of Volts, I believe, is one company, of charge points. Um, Obviously, I don't want to be paying too much for energy considering one of my main reasons for having this car is to not pay for gas. So my work solution is is something I can use uh, about once or twice a week. But in between that, I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for best public chargers, level twos that I can use or that other people in metropolitan areas can use. I heard Volts apparently can give you 45 minutes or to an hour for free. Of charging, which is really cool if that's true. So anyway, uh, thanks again for all the work you do. Uh, I think you're awesome and love the show. Keep it up, dude. Mike, thank you for your call. I appreciate your very kind words. Uh, Let me do my best to help you here. First of all, congratulations on your upcoming Model 3 delivery. If you were to go back to the early episodes of this podcast, which by the way, you don't have to do, but if you did, you would learn that I, too, waited and saved and planned for a long time, many years, just like you did. So I can tell you from personal experience that your delivery day is going to feel 
really, really good. Anyway, yes, charging infrastructure is such a critical part of the EV movement. Apartment and townhouse charging, vital to convincing a lot of people to make the switch away from a gas car. You mentioned volts. Uh, I confess, I'm actually not familiar with that one. I'm not sure if we have it here in the San Francisco area. But yeah, there are a bunch. I would recommend downloading a couple of apps onto your smartphone. One is called A Better Route Planner, and the other one is called PlugShare. PlugShare in particular will help guide you to so many, just a ton of nearby chargers in your area, whether they are Tesla chargers or or not, like Tesla official you know, superchargers. One word of warning though for you, a lot of public chargers, and to be fair, Tesla superchargers aren't exactly exempt from this, but a lot of public chargers are expensive. As an example, at my old office's parking garage, they had an EVGO charger in there. That was, if I remember correctly, and I think I do because it really stuck in my brain, 52 cents per kilowatt hour. To give you a little context for that, here at home, I pay 13 cents per kilowatt hour, uh, so four times more than what I pay at home. And if you do the math on that, that 52 cents per kilowatt hour is about the same as just putting gas in a gas car. So just watch out for that. But my general recommendation to you is this. I would suggest just hitting a Tesla supercharger once a week, which should be all you need since you said that you have a fairly short commute. It's more expensive than home charging, but not as expensive as some of the other level two public chargers. And you won't have to spend as much time as you would having to make more frequent little trips to other public chargers. And the other part of it is not to speak ill of any others, but superchargers just work. You back into the parking spot, you plug in and that's it. It bills to the credit card on file with your Tesla account. Nice and simple. That's uh, that's why I like it. I hope that helps you, Mike. Thanks again for your call. Next is David from Dublin with some reactions to version 11 software. Go ahead, David. Hey, Ryan. It's David calling in from Dublin in Ireland about version 11 software. I, I suppose we're all going to have our list of likes and dislikes. What's really struck me is two things. First is a warning for anybody else this has happened to, and that's that uh, when the upgrade uh, downloaded, for some strange reason, on the walkaway lock menu option, it ticked the not when you're at home, exclude uh, home setting, which I've never used in my life. And uh, so for the last week, the car has remained unlocked um, at home for me. I only realized it by accident. So I don't know why it did that, but uh, obviously potentially disastrous consequences. So just a warning for everybody else, just to double check that it hasn't automatically uh, checked the uh, exclude home for some reason. My second observation is as much as I love the blind spot camera, which is one of the, I think we'll all agree, is one of the best uh, new features that we've all seen in a long time. If you're on the phone, the and you you hit the turn indicator the uh the camera picture 
blocks the phone. So you, you can no longer, uh, you know, end the call or, or do anything like that. And it does the same for directions. If you've got your, um, your Spotify or your radio full screen where the, the mini directions used to appear up at the, the top of the side of the screen, they now appear at the very bottom. And if you hit the turn signal, they're gone. They disappear. I don't know why they can't just uh, implement uh, merging the two things, overlaying one over the other or moving moving the uh, one of the screens. It seems like a, a bit of an oversight. And to be honest, a lot of the software, even though it's taken two years for it to appear, seems like uh, it really is lacking a bit of ergonomic stability for all of us. But uh, there you go. All good feedback here, David. Thank you for your call. I hadn't noticed the blind spot camera covering up those other UI elements, but I agree that this is definitely something of a you know, design oversight or at the very least something that needs to be addressed. I'm sure you were as glad as I was to hear Elon address the feedback on Twitter and suggest that there are improvements coming, many improvements. I mean, there's just, there's no way the Tesla software team isn't making a triage, well, they not making, has a triage list of things to address first. I mean, you heard my criticisms on the podcast, uh, what, last week or the week before. I'm confident that it's gonna take a noticeable step forward very soon. You know, it kind of reminds me, in the sense, uh, the way I feel about this now, of, of major Apple iOS updates as somebody who's an iPhone user. I'm at the point now with Apple updates where I wait for the 0.1 version before making the big upgrade. Hopefully Tesla does not drive me to that same mentality in the future. A couple more calls here. Next, let me go to Dave from Boston. Hey, this is Dave in Boston. Hi, Ryan. I've been listening to you for a long time. Love what you do. Um, I never called in before, but uh, I really... um, kind of have a different view on the software UI update that just happened. Um, feels like uh, I've owned a car since uh, 2016 and there are periodic changes to the UI. Um, but I feel like this recent one is like too much. It's, uh, it's not just a minor change. It's everything's moved around. Everything you want to accomplish when you're driving the car is different. The way you do it is different. The map is different. It's just so comprehensive in the way that it changes everything that uh, I, I, it's honestly, I feel a safety issue because you're driving along trying to accomplish something. You just have to put so much attention into finding the new way of doing whatever, you know, whether, and, and things don't work correctly too. So, you know, it's like I, the screen is dark when it should be light or whatever. So anyways, I just, I'm a little upset with the software team. I feel like they've overstepped their bounds. I'm sure the EULA allows them to make these big changes, but I just, as a customer, I'm not happy with what they did. I, it's too much. I, I mean, we should have the choice as customers to say, you know, I want to keep things the way they are, or at least have a metered level of change to the UI. So anyways, it's a different viewpoint. I'm really, uh, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I'm a zero on the new software, uh, UI update. So, um, Anyways, but love what you do. Thanks. Bye. You know, I can hear the frustration in your voice, and I don't begrudge you that feeling. Uh, in fact, you mentioned that you think the decisions made with some of the stuff in V11 are potential safety issues. And I can tell you this, you are not the only caller who left a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline this week saying that very thing. 
nor are you the first person to call in wanting to roll back to V10. As I said when I gave my impressions of it, what, one or two shows back, I do think it's fixable, but I think Tesla needs to move very quickly to make some changes. Here's hoping they do so. Thank you very much for your call. And finally this week, a regular caller. Here's Pete from Carmel, Indiana, commenting on a particularly unique aspect of the FSD beta. Pete from Carmel, just calling in to follow up on a couple of things. First of all, as far as the uh, full self-driving beta queue, as I may have uh, mentioned in the previous uh, call, we have a lot of roundabouts in Carmel, where I live in Indiana, and uh, no matter how hard I tried to drive like a grandpa, I could not nudge my score above 96, and that's because I would get an aggressive turning score that was unacceptable. Uh, and that's even taking roundabouts at like 15 miles an hour. It was crazy. Uh, I think the software just doesn't understand what a roundabout is. So I gave up after, I don't know, a week or so, and once they announced that they weren't rolling it out very fast. And uh, sure enough, my score uh, regressed to the mean, which for me is 86, and that agrees with my wife's assessment of my driving ability. So uh, I think that's probably pretty realistic. Uh, second thing is the UI uh, update is terrible, and specifically the heat for the uh, seats, the control that, that uh, warms your seats up, that needs to be front and center for us that live in you know, cold weather climates. And the reason for that is we'll have days that are really cold, and then uh, you know, you'll have another day where it's like 50 degrees and you don't need to uh, have your seat heater on. So it'd be nice to have that uh, handy, just like a lot of the other things that you mentioned, which are no longer available. It's just boggling my mind how these guys mess this up. It, it seems so straightforward, but I guess I'm not a programmer, so there must be some reason they did it. Anyway, thanks again. Really appreciate your podcast. Uh, have a great new year. Pete, happy new year to you as well. And it's great to hear from you as always. What I'm about to say will sound like hyperbole, but I promise you I'm being 100% serious. Tesla should send an autopilot engineer to your city. We talked about this on one of your last calls, that Carmel is the one city in America that's got roundabouts everywhere. Tesla could get a jump on FSD problem solving for Europe by sending an engineer and a car to you, really. Uh, and as for V11, by the way, your comments there, uh, I did not hear from anyone giving me any non-voice-based shortcuts to the seat heaters, so it would indeed appear that you have to turn on the HVAC in order to get to them. Very strange. Again, here's hoping Tesla has a fix for that particular self-inflicted problem very soon. Thanks to everybody that took the time to call in. Keep your phone calls coming. I will get to more calls next week, but don't go anywhere just yet. The podcast isn't over. I've got a little bit more, including your pro tip of the week, coming up right after this. You know, in hindsight, I wish I had had my Model 3 with me on my Arizona trip last week because the thought occurred to me while I was driving around down there, and that is this. 
I'll bet the full self-driving beta feels pretty darn good on Phoenix area roads because they are all so beautifully wide, multi-lane, flat, laid out in a nice, logical, straightforward grid pattern, unlike the twisted nightmare that is San Francisco roads. If I have any FSD beta testers listening down in the greater Phoenix area, I wonder if you folks generally feel even more confident in the FSD beta than people in other areas do. It's kind of an interesting thing. I hadn't really thought about it until I was down there. Anyway, your pro tip of the week comes from Carrie in Northridge, California. Hey, Ryan. This is Carrie from Northridge, California again with a pro tip regarding recording to a USB drive. Like many of us, I've been using 32 gigabyte SanDisk Ultra SD cards plugged into a USB adapter plugged into one of my Model 3's under dash ports. I realized a few weeks ago that the camera was no longer showing up on my display. I took it out of the car, checked it on my computer, and saw that the disk wasn't full, but it was no longer recording. Then I started getting error messages about a USB drive not working so I scheduled a mobile appointment. The ranger came out and told me that the USB cards can't handle the speed any longer due to software updates. He recommended I purchase a Samsung T7 one terabyte SSD drive. They're under $100 and available at Best Buy, Amazon, and lots of other places. I did. I tried to format it in the car, but that didn't seem to work and it didn't start recording. So I brought it in the house and added a Tesla cam folder to the root directory. Now all is well again. With such a large drive, I don't expect to have to worry about the disk filling up for a very long time. Thanks for everything that you do, Ryan. I'm out. Carrie, thank you so much for sending this along. This is a great point. If you have any trouble with your sentry mode slash dash cam suddenly ceasing to work, this is probably why. I will resist the urge to plug puretesla.com slash RTL right here because I'll do that in just a minute. But in all seriousness, I do appreciate your call. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that they would like to share with me and the rest of the Ride the Lightning audience, you can send that in in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls. Before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast, starting with the excellent folks at abstractocean.com, the home of so many wonderful aftermarket Tesla accessories. Again, I encourage you to just go there. Just go to abstractocean.com, browse around. You can search in any number of different ways, including buy Tesla model. So you can just see everything they have for your car and just see what they've got. A ton of great lighting kits, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The tempered glass screen protector that's now on its fourth gen version. It's even better than ever. The Corning glass, which is the same stuff that Gorilla Glass uses. Take a look at all of it. And then when you've got everything that you like piled into your online shopping cart, type in the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word for that coupon code. Next up, the Snap Plate. For folks like me that are required by law to have a front license plate, but don't really want one. So you want it to look nice and be something that you can get on and off 
fairly easily if you want to either, you know, wash the car, take it to a car show, like a, uh, you know, cars and coffee kind of thing. If you want to take it off for whatever reason, but put it back on for if you're going to be parked at a parking meter, if you're going through a toll road or a bridge or something, get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Again, that's everyamp.com slash RTL. They've got them for the S, X, 3, and Y. They go on and off in seconds, but they do so securely. Uh, It's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. Nice, clean, minimalist design. No automotive adhesive involved here. Everyamp.com slash RTL. Next, Immaculate Reflections. If you and your car are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, there is really nothing more uh, more appreciative you could do f- to show your car how much you appreciate that it gets you around safely uh, on a daily basis than to take it to Immaculate Reflections for a spa day. Maybe you want to get paint correction, get that finish looking as good as it possibly can. Maybe you want to get the paint protection film on the front of the car or all of the car. Maybe you want to get the ceramic coating so that you don't have to bother waxing it for the next three to five years. Water will just bead off of the car. I am a believer myself. I have my car ceramic coated by Immaculate Reflections, and it's great. It's just uh, just helps the cars look and stay nice and clean. Anyway, uh, book in with Immaculate Reflections at irdetailing.com. Mention in your email, uh, in your communication, that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, and there is a nice little discount waiting for you, so take advantage of that. Meanwhile, the aforementioned puretesla.com slash RTL sells you a one-stop, just a nice, easy kit, one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. It's 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit, $69 if you want to step up to the 256 gig. Comes fully formatted, right into the package, straight into your car, ready to go. Ships free anywhere in the U.S. They also have the nice uh, wireless game controller kit, just the nice low-profile, slim, game controllers for playing video games in your Tesla. So you can get either of those products, the dash cam sentry mode kit or the wireless game controllers at puretesla.com slash RTL. And then Jada, they've got the Jada tray, the Jada USB hub console, the Jada wireless charging pad for the older model threes like mine. I am a uh, big fan of Jada. They make very high quality products. I've got the tray in my car. I've got the wireless charging pad in my car. Very happy to have both. They they look factory. They look like they're OEM, which I appreciate. Very well made. Uh, and the, the wireless charging pad in particular, if you've got an older Model 3 like I do, you, it's just a, it's a great upgrade to add to your car. So for Jada, whatever you buy, any of those products, I've got a discount code for you. Use the coupon code RTL at checkout for that. And please use my referral link. That's the thing I ask of you in return. And that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, let me mention the Patreon. That is the primary way through which you can voluntarily choose to support the podcast. And I hope you will at some point in time. Maybe today's the day, uh, maybe next week, next month, but 
Uh, if, if, you know, at some point I earn your trust, I earn your support here on the podcast, I do this week in and week out, I put a lot of love and energy and research and time into the podcast each week, and I hope that shows. I hope that is obvious as you listen to it. Anyway, uh, you can support me, if you choose, on my Patreon page. Go find it at patreon.com slash Podcast. There are a number of support tiers there, both uh, on a monthly basis, or if you choose to do the annual pledge, you can do that and you'll get a 5% discount uh, on what you would have you would have pledged on a month uh, to month basis. So that's a nice little perk, I hope, of uh, going with the annual option. So again, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. I've got a number of perks at each support tier, starting at the sport tier, which gets you early access to each week's episode. And then the next tier up, the ludicrous tier, gets you early access and the monthly bonus episode, which again, as I talked about, I think on last week's show, that is now the full one-hour group Tesla uh, discussion that I have with the Maximum Plaid tier Patreon folks every month. Those have been really fun conversations, and now you can listen in on it uh, the, you know, the following month if you're at the ludicrous tier or higher. And then again, there are, there are more tiers. Keeps going. Take a look, and I would be very humbled and appreciative if you would do that at some point. And with that, let me say, uh, I guess if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I'm the same handle on both, DMC underscore Ryan. Again, you can email me anytime at the email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow slash subscribe to the podcast completely for free on any of the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and I'm also on YouTube, just audio only, but if you do want to listen on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You'll find my channel, and you can just subscribe right there. And with that, let me just say thank you to the Plaid and Up Patreon tiers. A a big thanks, starting with the Plaid tier, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, and T. Kirk Lowry. And I also want to give a special thank you to Joel Sapp. He is no longer uh, on the Patreon, but he he had been one of the longest tenured plaid-level Patreon backers. And Joel, if you're still listening, I just wanted to express my sincere gratitude to you. You were very generous to me for a very long time. I hope you'll still enjoy the podcast and keep keep on listening. And then the Maximum Plaid tier crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, 
Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, The Galpin Family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonar Tech 77, and Andre Kent. And finally, an extra big thanks to the Roadster in Space tier backers who get all the perks, including, uh, exclusive to the Roadster in Space tier, a one-on-one hangout with me uh, on a monthly basis. I've been having a good time with those as well. So thank you sincerely to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, and Howard Anthony Smith. And that, my friends, will wrap it up for Ride the Lightning episode 336, 2022, is well underway. Plenty to talk about in the world of Tesla, which makes me happy. I'm always happy to have lots to talk about on this podcast. I love doing the podcast for you week in and week out. I take a lot of pride in not missing any weeks. I know I've got to be here for you same day, same time, every week, like clockwork, or else, you know what? Hey, you're well within your rights. You're going to go find something else to listen to. So at the very least, I'm here for you every week. If you, And if you made it this far, well, I guess I must be doing something right if you've made it an hour and 15 or something minutes into the podcast. So with all sincerity, I do thank you for listening. Uh, your, your time is valuable. I appreciate you spending some of it with me each week. So for a now snoozing Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This again was Ride the Lightning 336, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.